Welcome to Sourcing for Innovation, Episode 6. My name is Adam Curtis. Very excited today to be joined by our special guest, Alec Ross. Good afternoon. Hey, it's good to see you. So before we dig in today's topic, we're going to talk a little bit about preparing Maryland's workforce for the new digital economy. I just want to introduce you. If anyone's listening right now don't know who you are, um, give a little bit of a background on your extensive and impressive CV. So I'm going to take a deep breath and see if I can get through a couple of these things. So Alec Ross, New York Times bestselling author of Industries of the Future, technology policy expert, helped develop Barack Obama's technology and innovation plan during the 2008 presidential election. You served in the State Department under Secretary Clinton as senior advisor on innovation. You're a former senior fellow at the School of International and Public Affairs at Columbia University, a distinguished visiting fellow at Johns Hopkins, former Baltimore school teacher, and if that wasn't enough, current Democratic gubernatorial candidate for the governor of Maryland. That's right. I'm running for governor. Did I, did I forget anything in there? No. All you all you needed to tell people was that if they thought that this was a good podcast, they can go on Amazon to pick up the industries of the future. <laughs> there we go. 18 languages. <laughs> 18 languages and counting. So a lot of your work has been about this need for a better technically trained workforce, talking to people personally about what they can do, what industry can do, what government can do to make that happen. Why is this such an important topic for Maryland, for the economy here locally, statewide, nationally? Yeah, I think talent is universally distributed, but opportunity is not. You know, the, the, there are segments of the economy that are growing, and there are segments of the economy that are constricting. And I think that as much anger as there is in America right now around wage stagnation and job loss, I think the only logical response to that is for people to get the kinds of educations that can give them a trajectory into industries where we know there will be growth. And that is inherently technical. And I think that the major inhibitor here is that the the outputs of our education system don't map to the inputs of private sector hiring. So you have to take a different approach to skills acquisition so that people can compete and succeed in our economy. Now, what is that approach? What are these inhibitors either in our educational system or in the way that private industry is thinking about hiring or about finding this talent, which is equally distributed? Well, the area of that that I focus the most on is actually on education, K-12 education. The very simple fact of the matter is that our, our public schools don't look or function much differently today than they did 60 years ago. Uh, you know, let's imagine Rip Van Winkle fell asleep 150 years ago and woke up today and he saw cars driving around the street. He'd be like, what the heck are those? He then wanders into the first building he sees and it's a grocery store. He sees meat wrapped in plastic in refrigerators. He's like, what is that? He walks out, freaked out, walks into the next building. He walks into a school and goes, oh, I'm in a school. <laughs> So I really do think that the segment of our world that has failed to adapt the most to the changing nature of, of our economy and of how we live is, is education. Now, given your experience here working in Baltimore, what was, what was the potential you saw in students and sort of on the personal level, like what was the, the heartbreak in not seeing that nurtured or not seeing that brought to uh, fruition so that these students who had the ability weren't able to really act on it or, or grow it. Yes. Yeah, so look, I taught sixth graders in one of the poorest, most violent communities in America in West Baltimore. And I also wa worked in the White House Situation Room. 
And I'm here to tell you, the sixth graders who I taught at Booker T. Washington Middle School in West Baltimore had as much talent as the people who sat across the table from me in the White House Situation Room. The massive difference was opportunity. So yeah, it absolutely is heartbreaking. I mean, I know that there was genius. I know that there was abundant genius among my among my students, but the very simple fact of the matter is that their opportunities were so limited that honestly the most talented among them oftentimes went into the drug trade. That's where the money could be made. And then more often than not, they ended up as 19 or 20-year-olds who were either dead or in jail. And this sounds like, oh my God, we've heard this story a thousand times. But the reason we've heard this story a thousand times is it's so true. Sure. Now, what advice would you give to students in those situations or parents or educators um, for small things that they can do to make a difference right now without sort of institutionalizing uh, a policy change at the broad level? What are some things that people can do either one-on-one to, to better prepare themselves for these technical jobs of the 21st century? Yeah, so only 40% of public schools in Maryland offer at least one computer science class. Uh, absent getting that to 100%, which if, it, which if I'm elected governor, we will go from 40% to 100% of public schools, there are lots of really high-quality free resources online. Um, you know, from scratch offered by MIT to Code Academy to a variety of other things. The ante is an at-home high-speed internet connection. If you have a high-speed internet connection at home, then there is a universe of educational opportunities available to you. And so what I would re- what I really push parents to do is to get their kids to to take advantage of some of these free resources online where they can learn some things where maybe their schools are failing them. With this better um, technical education, what does that look like in 10, 15 years, the next generation for technology and innovation in Maryland? I think that AI will enable a lot of coding almost by rote. So what is necessary is that the level of cognition Uh, that goes into coding, that goes into computer science, uh, is going to be greater. So what I actually believe is that the real areas of growth are not just going to come from people having deep domain expertise in something technological, but it's the combination of basic technical skills with domains we tend to identify with the humanities, emotional intelligence, and understanding of behavioral psychology, Uh, the ability to communicate clearly. So what I'm actually pushing people and institutions toward toward is sort of interdisciplinary learning. I actually think that interdisciplinary learning and interdisciplinary learners will be the very best technical professionals and technical learners in the future. It kind of reminds me of the scene from Office Space where the guy's like, I'm a people person. I can take the things from engineer A and explain it to engineer B. You have to have the technical background to do that, but you also have to be able to sit across the table and simply talk to another person to explain it on that one-to-one level. And I also think, bluntly, that the best technical products are created more often than not, or at least are imagined uh, and are managed by people who don't just see the world in terms of zeros and ones, but to, who do understand behavioral psychology, who do understand how people uh, learn, how people consume information, what impacts uh, consumer behavior. So I actually think that, 
that the great coders, the great technologists of the world are going to be those that uh, actually push themselves into the humanities. Sure. Now, I want to get you out of here uh, on one non-technical question. We're right across from Oriole Park. Are the Orioles going to make the playoffs this year? And what's going to happen with Manny Machado? You know, so when I think about the Orioles, you know what it makes me think of? What? The Baltimore Ravens. Oh, gosh. Is <laughs> the, Manny Machado an elite quarterback? Is that you what you're know, getting at here? I, look, I think the uh, God bless the Baltimore Orioles. I don't think that this is their season. We'll see what happens to Manny Machado. I have a feeling that guy's going to be making bank. Here's, wherever he goes. Wherever he goes. And on this, the first day of, of NFL camp opening, as I think about the Baltimore Orioles and all that could be, yep. um, it makes me think about about the Baltimore Ravens because at zero wins and zero losses, we're still in first place. <laughs> Alec Ross, uh, more information about his platform, his campaign, you can check it out at alecross.com. Thank you so much for speaking with us today. Thanks for having me.